episode four of five, episode five of uh, what we've now, I guess, taken to calling Dad's Right. It hurts a little bit every time you say it. <laughs> Just a little bit. And uh, in this episode, uh, I think I will be doing my first intro. I think you've done the intro in every other episode. Maybe one other I did the intro, but that's what's exciting about this one. And also, we will have our uh, special guest that couldn't make it last week, Beverly Rockwell, to discuss a myriad of things with us. Okay, episode five. And, and as with tradition, uh, we're going to start off with uh, fixing the mistakes yeah. we made in episode four. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we, we said high level was where the cargo plant was, and it's in High River. Yeah. So uh, I take... Maybe 55 to 60% of the blame. Uh, because, yeah, okay, I said it wrong. But honestly, who names the towns in Alberta? Yeah. High level, high river. Come on. A little originality. And these kind of mistakes wouldn't happen. Everything that's not Calgary or Edmonton is either high or grand. That's right. It's not great. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Beverly, any opinion on uh, names of... Uh, oh, you might probably want to introduce her before yeah, we ask her questions. Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah, uh, shoot. We now... Now that the intro is recorded, we now have Beverly on the phone. Beverly, say hi to our tens of listeners. Oh, hello, tens of listeners. Uh, it might be in the single digits if Beverly's on the phone and not listening. That's true. We might have ones of listeners. Well, hello, ones of listeners. <laughs> anyway, so, as my dad said, any, uh, any opinion on the names of towns in Alberta? Uh, other than the fact that, A, they're uncreative, and I would like to throw in another uh, name into the mix, Fort. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There seems to be a lot of forts. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's fort, high, or grand. Yeah, it's lame. Yeah. It's lame. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I don't feel 100% my fault. Yeah. I mean, Ontario, it's so much <laughs> better, right? We got such, we got original names like London, Ontario, Paris, Ontario. That's, that's right. Athens, Ontario. Yeah. For a long time, we had a Berlin, Ontario. That's how you name cities. That's right. Uh, just some really good, punchy, creative names. You don't even need to go to Europe. All you need to do is take a tour around Ontario. There's truly yes. no difference between Paris, France, and Paris, Ontario. <laughs> Ontario no. no, absolutely not. It's same. I mean, the lack of a giant tower is, like, you know, is inconsequential. Yeah, but they have a giant... Um, like yarn place do they yeah it's known for i'm probably gonna have to correct this next week but i'm because this is this is what you go off your seat of your pants and you end up being wrong yeah but i'm pretty sure there's some sort of hobbyist crafty shop in paris that's that that is what it's known for mm. well I, I, paris rivals. also known for being a crafty hobby shop there's a few town. pictures so there. like there's, there's i a, see the confusion yeah there's a little <laughs> artwork there i think <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, start off with, with one of our, our regular uh, segments. It's uh, sort of the best and worst of the week. And, and it, was a, it, was a, it was a full week. Yes, it was. And I wrote down a few things. Uh, uh, Dad, don't let them know we're going off the script. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, because I didn't want to... My goal for week five is in week six not having to correct anything <laughs> other than the Paris segment we just did. Yeah. Um, uh, there, was, there was a lot of worsts, I feel, this week. Yeah. The best for me was the Orioles. I don't know if, if, if the five or six of you that are listening follow me on Facebook, but, but you see the pictures 
of the the Baltimore Oreos that we had in our backyard. It was Gene's idea to put some oranges back there. And and last I think we tried it once before and it did not work at all. But we put them out this year and it was a magnet. And and the, the I mean they're just beautiful birds. It's like so yes. there isn't a lot other than oranges, there's not a lot of orange in nature and they're very orange and, and we had six or seven of them out there at once and it was it was a very uh took a lot of pictures. I'm glad that um, the days of film are over because it would have been really expensive for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of pictures. And then as far as worst for me, um, I think I think there's there's three real ones. Two I'm just going to briefly touch on. That's good. We have a history of brevity on this show. Yes. The one, Trump naming the new missile the Super Duper missile is, is uh, it seems... Childish? Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I think it also in that way seems right up his alley. Fair, okay. Right within yeah. his intellectual range. <laughs> um, seems very Austin Powers to me. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> One million dollars. Um, uh, Biden in trouble again on Stephanopoulos. Um, he asked him. Uh, Stephanopoulos asked Biden. Ste- yeah. Well, that's the way it works when you're doing an interview. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That uh, he asked Biden what he knew about um, Michael, Michael Flynn. Flynn. What he knew about the Michael Flynn investigation. And Biden's answer was, I knew nothing about the Michael Flynn investigation. And then went on a five-minute sort of bit about how it's just Trump trying to deflect. Which is kind of deflecting, but but that's beside the point. Then Stephanopoulos said... But you were in a meeting. We have you in a record in a meeting. So you did know. And then Biden said, oh, I thought you said, what did I know about the prosecution? Which is just, I mean, he obviously knew. Just say you know. Or right off he, the top. Or he or, didn't or, know, or, and that's or, another problem. Or you didn't know. He forgot. Hey, he probably had a lot of meetings. Your, your VP, you probably go to a lot of meetings. It is a possibility that you forgot. Then say... Oh, you're right. I was at that meeting. I did know they were going to investigate him. That's all I knew. It's I forgot. That's fine too. Yeah. But but what he said was not fine. I don't think. And it's it's just more trouble for for a candidate that uh, that you know. Yeah, it's still the better option, I think. But uh, but kind of putting himself behind. He's loading up Trump's barrels. Yeah. Yeah. He is. You know, I have. I want to go back though to the uh, Orioles for a second because I'm glad you said bird, because that is Oriel, the bird, not to be confused with Oreo, the cookie. Uh, the first time I heard you, Mum, say Oreo, I heard Oreo. Oh, you got um, excited? And no, I, Oreos are overrated in my opinion. But, double stuffed. Uh, the double stuff's pretty good, but when you say it quickly, it's easy to hear Oreo. So that's clarification for the uh, people under 40 who aren't into their bird watching phases yet because <laughs> everybody gets there <laughs> yeah and then the, the one thing that i really i i just i think there needs to be some sort of common sense thing applied is in in tennessee the uh one of the higher up courts there ruled that it is legal to covertly film women clothed in public now they said well if you're in public you have no expectation of privacy True. There's cameras all over the place. But just because you don't have an expectation of privacy doesn't mean you expect 
to be recorded by some guy, you know, recording your uh, yeah. private parts for his own personal use at a later date. Yeah, there's a big difference, I think, between um, ex- you're expecting, in a way, to be watched by law enforcement, um, CCTV cameras, depending on where you are, and you're willingly, uh, you're kind of just agreeing to that by agreeing to live in a society that does that, and it's expected. There's not that there's anywhere to go, but... Not, well, yeah, but there is a big difference between that and... Um, there's a big difference between being spied on by the government and being spied on by a private citizen. Because you know you're being spied on by the government. And, uh, and it's just um, another way of... Uh, I mean, you have to look at the, the optics of it, I guess, for lack of a better word. The dynamic of it, of, of a man covertly filming um, a woman in public. And to say that that's legal is... It decreases, I don't know, the safety of of women beverly i'm sure you have an opinion on this well uh this is the first i'm hearing of this but it sounds completely ridiculous to me um as a woman as the resident woman in this conversation yeah exactly Um, yeah it's like it's the fact that the government uh, where whatever they're you know we're always being spied on by the government let's be real here but what they're doing is they're you know spying on us but objectively if that makes any sense yeah, yeah. yeah. And there, I think what, there is a what difference. These, what these men are doing is they're using, they're, they're providing it, they have their own agenda to what they're doing, and therefore they're penetrating, and this is a good enough reason to use the word penetrate, <laughs> women's safety sphere of, we don't, we already feel, as women, we already feel there's a, like a level of unsafety that we feel in public regardless. And by making it legal to do that, you're just decreasing us, our safety in public to like, and infinitesimal level yeah that's what i i mean yeah that's what i was thinking as well and uh better better coming out of your mouth though yeah absolutely (laughs) you know again it's the resident woman yeah Uh, exactly um so uh i guess moving on to my best and worst or did you do your best yeah Yeah. orioles yeah okay not oreos yeah not oreos orioles um Best, again, this is a bigger worst week than it was a best week. Um, I'm going to say two quick best things. The first one is I got to leave work two hours early on Saturday, and that was fantastic. That's always great. Exactly, right? And then uh, I had uh, I had a wonderful like three or four hour FaceTime with uh, Elizabeth the other day, and that was just, it was wonderful. It was great. We, uh have conflicting schedules and sometimes it can be difficult to find time so that was that was fantastic um but on to the the worst um i don't know if either of you heard about this but elon musk um is insane and he was protesting stay-at-home orders and he decided to reopen his tesla plant in california against state orders um, and sent out a tweet that's like, I'm doing this, and sort of made himself out to be a martyr to show that, like, if the government... But also threatened comes... to move to Texas or something. Yeah, he threatened to withdraw all of the, his production out of California, and then he said, if anyone's going to be arrested for this, please just let it be me to try to make himself out like a good guy. Um, and then he got the backing of President Trump, which always shows you that it's the wrong move. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then the government of California just capitulated. 
It was just like, all right. And I feel like, especially in this time, you can't do that. I understand that there's a lot of jobs and it's a big industry and Tesla is like a big front industry. Like it's a big name to have in your state, but we're in the middle of a pandemic and you can't be a government that just bows down to the whim of every corporation every time you enact a policy that's for the public good that makes life a little bit more inconvenient for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, what kind of, what kind of democracy is that? Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Should have had some sort of negotiation so that they opened, uh, I, you know, if they're going to open some sort of negotiations and then come out with a joint statement yeah. that we're opening this way to maintain worker safety, or something the, like that. It, it could have been done, but to do it the way that he went about it was yeah, not great. Or at the very least, kind of let him get away with it, but at least fine him to make it look like you're doing something. I personally don't really like fines because... With a few exceptions to me, that just sounds like it's legal if you're rich. You can just afford to buy your way out of that crime. But at least it would have been something. At least it would have cost him something. Instead, mm-hmm. they just bent over and were like, okay. They could have arrested him. Yeah. Or they could have arrested him. He said, arrest me. Yeah. So arrest him. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But I think it's also, I think it's one of those, I think the stay-at-home order is not actually technically a law. I, I don't know how it works. In Canada, it's not. I don't I don't know about the US. I know in Canada it's not. It's like it never was truly made into law. Yeah. I know, but the thing is governors in the US have more power than uh premiers yeah. in, in the in Canada. True. Anyway, the other thing I want to mention is uh Aaron O'Toole who is currently um the seen as the second place man in the Conservative Party leadership race. Uh side note, I think he'll win. Uh, on the second ballot, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe third ballot. Anyway, um, he is being accused of using taxpayer money uh, to fund and help fund his conservative leadership campaign. Um, I wish I could say I was surprised by this, but after Andrew Scheer using taxpayer money to pay for his uh, everything, as we've recently learned, um, I just think that it's... Uh, it shows you sort of just more of the moral, quote-unquote, center of the Conservative Party or the lack thereof. They they just seem to breed more members, in my opinion, in my left-wing opinion, admittedly. They just seem to breed more corrupt members than the other parties. And I believe every party has corrupt members um, and lazy members, but most of them seem to come out of the Conservative Party when they look at when I look at it. So this is a man who wants to be prime minister, and he's off to a, uh, he's looking at doing well at copying his conservative predecessors. I I think the liberals give him a run for money and corruption, but. Yeah, a lot of them. You're right. You're right. Anyway, Beverly, you got the best and worst? Oh, I would just think that the, you know, that the conservatives preach that you know, against the liberals for using taxpayer money to pay for whatever they decide to pay for. And then turn around and use it to their own ends, which does not do any public good. So who is the real hypocrite, conservatives? Oh, yeah, yeah no, they're hypocritical, absolutely. Uh, you yeah. get so many stages. Yeah. Uh, once you start getting into the Bible thumping and then, uh, oh, yeah. you know, like the lots old of... Bible and then thumping. And then you have, then you have even even abortion versus sending people back for covid where people are going to die like there's yeah. there's there's lots of hypocr- 
I think the conservatives, especially the far right conservatives, are the most hypocritical. Yeah. But as far as corruption goes, uh, I don't know if there's much difference until you get to like the goody goody parties. They don't. They don't do much. Like difference. the Greens and the NDP. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're not in power because they're actually good people. So that's yeah. right. It's <laughs> impossible to win. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Beverly, you got a, a best and worst. How's your week been? Um, well, my week has been okay. Uh, I started off the week in Edmonton, and I ended up the week in uh, ended off the week in Yellowknife. So, the best part of my week coming to Yellowknife. Worst part of my week coming to Yellowknife. Just kidding. <laughs> um, the best the best part was um, you know coming home and seeing all my family who I haven't seen in a couple months. That was really great. Um, also, the government here has released some restrictions on um, quarantine, so there's a lot more. Well, I can't reap the benefits yet because I still have to do my 14 days of self-isolation. Mm-hmm. But um, the government has – we are starting to open up the territory back up again. Um, if not op- – we're not opening up the borders, but the territory is starting to emerge from its cocoon. Yeah. Which is hopeful. Um, and I'm just pr- um, grateful to be living in a place that we're allowed to do that. Yeah. And, and um, to- I guess the – Yeah. No, I was just going to say, winter up there is kind of a cocoon anyway, so it didn't... Yeah, it's true. There's only one way out and one way in. Yeah. yeah. So... And that's, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's definitely partially due to the fact that it's so isolated and nobody goes up there, but yeah. uh, I do want to give some props to Carolyn Cocker and the Premier Northwest Territories and the Northwest Territories government who started their lockdown plan before they even had one confirmed case. Like, that yeah. was some preemptive thinking and action that uh, a lot of other jurisdictions lacked and failed to do, and that's what's caused this to be as bad as it is. Absolutely. Yeah, our uh, our government has been really fantastic, except, except there's been some um, friction, I guess you would say, because um, they rolled out with the new restrictions on Tuesday. Oh. And, um, and uh, the... the Apparently, this is coming from my teacher mother, and apparently when they gave the, you know, the new, they went on, publicly gave the new um, restrictions, apparently schools are allowed to reopen. Um, They potentially could, they're allowed to reopen um, if all the students and teachers are wearing a mask and yada, yada, with restrictions, they're allowed to reopen. Well, the only problem with that is, is that Two of the schools are shut down. One of the schools in renovations. One of them, all of the stuff has been moved out of it so it can be cleaned and stuff. And none of the teachers or principals or school boards were let know, were made aware of this. And Ooh. no one in education, culture, and employment branch of the government was also made aware of this. So the government, the higher-ups were just like, yeah, you can reopen schools and you, if, if, if you want. If everyone in the school board was like running around like with like a chicken with their heads cut off trying to figure out what to do about it and if schools were actually going to reopen if they made that decision or not. Wow. So that's something there's a little bit of lack of foresight on that part but that's something you'd expect out of maybe like doug ford or donald trump that kind of last minute maybe yeah Jason Kenney it recently. was uh quite shocking yeah yeah and i guess in worst news for me um it, singing and playing an instrument have been as singing especially have been deemed um the one of the highest risk contagion kind of things Ooh. so they they have recently doled out the fact that 
There won't be any schools, uh, bands or choirs for the next year oh. or two. So my mom has nothing to teach next year. Theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that you can um, you can play like uh, um, a, like a pretend instruments air guitar uh, air band air guitar air yep air band um, and no one's gonna want to take her classes if they're just theory because theory is boring yeah and uh, what about what about um, oh like uh, what's the Jimmy Fallon bit where they lip sync everything lip sync battles <laughs> yeah. Yes, my mom's curriculum will now be lip sync battles. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great plan. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could have a clear, you know, winner and loser A and B. How well do you know the lyrics? How well did you interpret the song? I think. I mean, you got to run it by her. I I don't see any issues. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely run that theory by her. I think she'll wholeheartedly uh, approve. Oh yeah. All right. So next, we are going to talk about the uh, COVID nineteen epidemic. Surprise. And, what is uh, that exactly again? It's this thing that's going on. It's been in the news. Is um, it as popular as TikTok? <laughs> I think, uh, I don't think so. I think, you know, the TikTok, it's hit, I've heard, over a billion people. Uh, this coronavirus thing, I think it's only like, like a, oh, just over a million. So nowhere how many? How many has TikTok killed, though? <laughs> um, uh, at least seven. The... <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about that, not TikTok, COVID-19, and how it's been affecting um, sort of the arts and culture section of of the world and that little corner that uh, doesn't really get a lot of coverage from the news, which we learned while we were researching this. Uh, well, I kind of already knew that, but was reaffirmed when we were researching this topic. Um, so, Beverly, that's... Well, just to what... give a little bit of background, the reason... That we thought it'd be a good topic while Beverly's on. Yeah. Is she is a, a recent graduate of the BFA program, uh, drama from the University of Alberta. Yeah, Bachelor and, of Fine Arts program, yeah. And and that is the program that you were in and going into your last year of. Yes. And so, it's, it's not just, it's the Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting, yeah. Drama, oh, yeah, acting, yeah. not drama, right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, Beverly, how many days have you been a university graduate for? Um, well, technically I graduated, my last day of, oh, Jesus, my last day of classes was April, I want to, I want to say April 15th. I said recent. Ish. Right. Oh, maybe 13th. As if, okay, the Monday, yeah. April 13th, I think was the last, was the first official day with no classes. Mm-hmm. And is now May seventeenth, so I have been a university graduate for a month and five days. So well established. And, yes, absolutely. Uh, employed in your field. Yeah, uh, yeah, that too. Um, there's a lot of employment and a lot of steady employment in my field. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what? Um... We'll start off with you because it's sort of the special thing we're doing because we're lucky enough to have you right now. Um, what what have you been uh, just graduating from university out of an arts program? Uh, how much more difficult has this made your life? And uh, what is uh, what are your thoughts uh, coming going into the market at this moment? 
Well, I think it's going to be very um, difficult. COVID really shoved up my ass um, hopelessness and despair a little bit, uh, especially because when we, as emerging artists coming out of a, a conservatory acting program, mm-hmm. we we expected to go on audition on an audition tour. We expected to do emerge, where we, which is like a huge networking event. Um, we expected all to do Next Fest and Fringe and start auditioning for theater companies. Um, but that all got halted because of COVID. And when we see the recovery of, of theater, of live theater and the arts, which probably won't be for the next couple of years, let's be real here, mm-hmm. um, because arts got devastated first and foremost and will be devastated for a long time. Yeah. Um, no one's going to be looking for emerging artists. They're going to be sticking with the people they already know and therefore won't be seeking new talent or new people to work with. And so graduating at this time has been extremely detrimental to my non-existent career because I don't have one and I might not have one for the more recent future. And true, there have been some attempts and you know, successful attempts at creating theater over Zoom calls or, or however people or like online and however people decide to do that. But it's not the same as live theater, and it and it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. And so I think our industry has been crippled, like no, but like nothing else. And yeah. to see the recovery, like even if you look at the major players, like Broadway. There's some shows that we're starting to see won't be reopening once COVID is over because they can't afford to play anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I think what most people probably, you would have no idea from watching a show. If you're just a casual theater goer, um, you wouldn't know this. And definitely if you don't go to theater, you would not know this. But uh, like every show, every time you do a successful production, you've basically only made enough money to pay everybody. And then if you're lucky to do another one. Yeah. Like, the theater for... for that can't be true for the big hits. No, it is. Like, come on, Cats? <laughs> no. Phantom? That's that's how... I mean, like, once you pay off everybody, um, you're... And once you've paid the theater and everything, you're not... You don't exactly have lots of money in the bank. Theater has been Even when you get just, different companies doing your show... Theater's been, on all levels... I mean, it's definitely easier. You're definitely guaranteed more constant work and constant productions at the higher levels. Um, Absolutely, and like, but even at the higher levels, they have more money to spend, and therefore they will spend it. They'll pay their workers more. They'll co- it'll yeah. cost more to rent the like, theaters. It'll cost more to build their sets. Like, you can be pretty much so, certain that you're going to at least make your money back. So it cost me three grand to go see Hamilton, and Lynn manuel whatever, is making no money off of the... He makes money for being in it, but he didn't make any money because he wrote it and all that stuff. No, he, he broke sold. Even. He sold. The, no, he probably. That's what I'm saying. Once you pay off, but I'm not talking about individuals. We're talking about companies. Like, because um, once because you have to pay everybody in the company, um, and that's like all your actors and uh, and you have to pay the theater, um, and. Uh, and it gets different because not everybody's in a company. So if you're just like a freelance actor walking around, um, it's not really like you've been paid 
you just have to wait for your next job. Um, and that's more how it is on the higher levels. But once you get to the smaller levels and once you get to theater companies, that's what happens. Is you, if you've had a good run, then you get by. And, that, and theater's been skating by like that for decades, if not over a century. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just seems that live theater keeps dying, but we've been dying for thousands of years already. Yeah, so in a way, that's a little comforting, knowing that, you know, we've, we've, we've survived the Black Death. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get through this one, I hope. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just very discouraging as as someone who never had the chance to even start her career. Yeah, have it snuffed out. See, it seems like have it snuffed out right in front of your face. Yeah, absolutely. At least put on hold. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, my being a um, a year uh, behind you in the program, I my I'm worried about that. My last year is gonna be subpar. Like that, I'm not gonna absolutely. get the same level of training as other graduates. Yeah, your education will be sacrificed. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and I'm a little annoyed that I'm going to have to pay the same as every other graduate and get uh, less education. Um, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it is kind of devastating. And honestly, um, the one... There has been a little bit of help. Um, I think a month ago, Justin Trudeau mm-hmm. announced... Uh, five hundred million dollars to support uh arts artists, the arts community, and stuff it's interesting. Like that. What he said was five hundred million to support in arts, culture, and sports. Now, is yeah. that is that something that do you think? Uh, to me, I'm, I, I'm I'm all for supporting it, but I think maybe lumping all those things together is is not right. No, I would argue as I would argue that's not right as well. I think it should be five hundred thousand or however much money it should be for each individually. I don't yeah. think they should all be lumped together because they're completely different things. Yeah, yeah. Arts. the funding that you need for arts projects and grants grants to do shows is different that you would need to support support um, hockey teams and whatever. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, the other thing, I, I, this is what this is the teaser from last week. What I wanted to bring out, just, just uh, the 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 CFL. I just wanted to get artists' opinion on 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 what what the, their take on this. So the CFL, which is not one of the big four sports leagues, right? Like CFL players average, I think eighty thousand a year. Average length of career is probably five or six years. Um, it's, it's not people making millions and millions of dollars. So the CFL has said, and it's steeped in, uh, Canadian history. Like it's a long time Mm -hmm. Canadian thing. So they have gone to the government asking for, uh, at least 150 million or they're going to be in big trouble. So what, what, I mean, what are your feelings on that as far as, uh, I don't know, with relation to, I guess, they're professionals, but then the artists are also professionals. I mean, do you begrudge a league like that getting that money? If they do, maybe they won't. I don't know. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't begrudge them for getting the money as long as they're willing. As long as the if and if they get the money, as long as the government is willing to also give it to artists. I don't see any reason to let the CFL, like as you say, it's a Canadian institution. I don't see any reason to let it suffer um, or collapse. And so they should absolutely get the money, but they 
but we as artists shouldn't get shunted aside just because they're getting money. Yeah, no, I, that's fair. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a, a narrative of um, arts and sports being pitted against each other and any sort of rivalry. Um, because they're fighting over the same money because it's $500 million to arts, culture, and sports. Yeah, well, Exactly. That's... So if they just gave us our separate strains of money, there would be no more, there wouldn't be this narrative perpetuated because we would have our separate strains of money that don't exist for anybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't believe that the sports don't deserve the, the funding they get. We just get a little upset when they get, when they get funding and we don't when it's treated as more important. And then, the I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm still not sure where I fall on this because it, as much as it is a Canadian iconic league and uh, with a small dabble into the U.S. And uh, it's still, it's a, it's a, it's a professional league. And uh, I just don't know that it's the government's job to prop things like that up. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, um, it sort of has the same effect in a way that um, you try to get, that the Canadian government tried to get with, um, by creating a bunch of regional theaters when they did that project. I can't remember, there was a commission um, that, it was a royal commission, I can't remember its name right now, but it created a whole bunch of suggestions about how to create and a Canadian culture and maintain a Canadian unity, because that was something that was a big worry in, I think, the 50s. And that's where you got the regional theater chain, which I'm sure most people have no idea what that is. Look it up. Um, that's how you got the National uh, Theater School in... Um, NTS is in Montreal, right, Bev? Yeah. Yeah, the National Theater School in Montreal. Um, that's how you got the CBC. Um, uh, all these things that were... Uh, that The goal was to bring uh, Canada, which is as I'm sure everybody who hears this knows, the second biggest country in the world by landmass, um, bring it together and make it feel more united so that uh, people in BC can feel connected to those in Newfoundland. Um, and to a degree, sports does that. Um, you know, I obviously the CFL has way more viewership in the West than it does the East, and the East we mostly like hockey. Um, but under that mandate, I can see why the government might want to save it. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a that's a, one of the more reasonable arguments that I've heard for it. Because uh, that's and that's why. And I would also and I would also argue that we're in a pandemic, and I think any institution has the right to reach out to the government for money for relief funds. Yeah, that's the big. That's why I'm like normally like in two thousand eight, I wasn't for uh well I I wasn't for much politically in two thousand eight I was like ten or eleven or something 10. like that. Yeah. Um. Uh. But. Yeah, it was 10, yeah. Um, but looking back, very against the corporate bailouts, I think it could have been handled a lot better. Um, I think you bail out the people, not the rich people. Um, but this is different because it wasn't brought on by poor management of companies or by rich people handling money badly or by mass fraud or anything like that. It's a pandemic that can't be really controlled so it's not a company's own fault if it's suffering. So every company can get money regardless of size or I well we need you know you want to you want to manage like actual need and the government's resources are limited and I think they should focus where the money is needed most for um keeping things as stable as they can be and where it feeds the needs of the greatest populace but I I more understanding of 
corporations wanting money and, and asking for money and more willing to let the government hand out some money. Uh, if they just started giving it to everyone who asked for it, then I'd have serious questions because I would think, are you really evaluating on needs based? But to bring it back to exactly what we're talking about, it's not the CFL's fault that they're struggling financially right now. It wasn't mismanagement. They can't play and people can't go see it. So there's just no way for them to make money. That's and not... in a similar way, it's very similar to theater and the fact that they make they make money and they pay their players based off of funds that they get from games and sponsorships and all of that. So if they're not playing, they're not getting paid. It's the same with artists. It's like if we're not doing shows, we're not getting paid. Yeah, we're essentially contract workers. I mean, we are um, working yeah. in a trade where it's not like we get a salary. We get paid for gigs. Um, and so do they. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, and, I mean, I mean, what if the what if the NHL came asking for money? Uh, if the NHL came asking for money from exclusively the Canadian government, I Canadian know. teams. I have some questions. Yeah, <laughs> Canadian teams. Well, that's maybe maybe they should also go to the provincial governments or the city government that they're supposed to be representing. The National Hockey League's a bit more complicated because it's. Um, international despite being called the national hockey league um but again like and, I, I, and those players do make millions yes like minimum salary in the in the nhl is 800 grand or something yeah i guess i guess what i what i what i what my criteria is can you actually get yourself out of it like that would be my criteria for looking like if you uh cut back on a few salaries for a temporary amount of time and if you um you know, like, can you actually get yourself out of this hole? Maybe you make a few sacrifices, but you live. Then you don't maybe need the government money. But the CFL, like you said, it, it it's not as profitable. Big. Yeah, it's not as profitable, and people get paid less. So, uh, I they very well could maybe just not be able to get themselves out of this hole. Um, how did sports co-opt our conversation about the arts? Jeez, made this as well. <laughs> Um, I did want to bring in, this was one interesting kind of like glimmer of hope that I saw when I was doing this research today, and it was out of Britain, so I don't actually know Canadian t uh, statistics, but they could be similar. Um, but I don't know if many people know this, again, about the theatre, but uh, it's an aging audience. Um, and, like, most of the people who go to the theatre maybe have 10 more years of being able to leave their house. Uh, which is a problem. Because, you usually, go... because usually they're the ones with the most expendable income in order to spend on the skyrocketing ticket prices that usually accompanies commercial theater. Yeah, exactly. With, with depends. You could probably get 20 years. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a, it's a long-term problem for the theater industry. Now, what I saw was in Britain, as in many places the National Theatre is beginning to broadcast their plays online, um, which I think the National Theatre in Canada has done as well. On the YouTube, I believe it's called. <laughs> yes. Um, and one of the statistics they've noticed, probably because it's online, and, uh, and well, you'll see why it's important in a second, um, the demographics, the age demographics, have skewed to a much younger population. Um, mm -hmm. so younger people in their twenties and thirties 
are watching these shows online. Probably because they were just able to find them easier online rather than find out about them through other mediums. Like theater advertises a lot through posters and the radio, which most young people don't listen to the radio. And who looks at posters? Well, isn't it then theater's fault that they don't have a younger audience? Well, it could modernize. Yeah, there's absolutely an argument to say that theater is a bit dated and could modernize a lot of its practices. Um, but also, they can't afford much better. Uh, most theater isn't advertising on YouTube can't afford virtually free. No, that's how YouTube makes money. You gotta pay. Um, you put things on YouTube, but, it doesn't cost anything. No, but putting an ad on YouTube is different than putting just up a video. Uh, it's anyway. It, it doesn't matter. Um, the point is, the hope that the National Theater in Britain is having is that now that they've introduced this younger audience to not so live theater, they will actually come to the theater when it reopens. And I hope they do. That's, yeah, I hope they do too. And I hope that's happening in Canada as well. I have a question. Yeah. So, so the 60 year olds that are going to the theater now, mm-hmm. 40 years ago, yeah, were they going to the theater? Uh, well, from my memory of 40 years ago, um, <laughs> We must have taken some theater history classes. I, well... Isn't it always the same? Isn't it a bit like bird watching? I could tell you... Isn't it you, once you get older and you have the money, you go to the theater? I don't know. I could tell you... From theater history, I could tell you more about the demographics of ancient Greek theater than I could tell you about <laughs> theater from 40 years ago. Um, I but, think that it's... I think it's a little bit of both. I think there was definitely a, a considered, like, golden age of theater... Which yeah. probably hit around forty years ago, and so the people that are old now that are going to see theater were probably young when theater was coming out. Also, theater was a lot bigger because there was less technology to distract people. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, was it's, it's one of the there was way less forms of entertainment in the same way back then, um, and and theater was getting a lot more federal funding, and you could yeah, get in for a hay penny. Yeah. No, theater was, because this was, again, shortly after the, you know, 40 years ago, it was shortly after the Arts Commission, and it was, oh, actually, no, it wasn't anymore. 40 years ago was 1980, and I'm thinking about the 50s. Um, but <laughs> still, it was getting more federal funding. The regional theaters were stronger. Um, yeah, and Stephen Harper hadn't crippled the CBC yet. Yeah. Political statement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very true. But, like, I mean... If you look at what's happened recently, I think it was 2014, the Vancouver... Was it the Vancouver Playhouse? Do you know what I'm talking about, Beverly? Mm, maybe. I think it was called the Vancouver Playhouse. Anyway, it was the Regional Provincial Theatre in British Columbia, which had a huge, um, a, a very strong history as being one of the strongest regional theatres in uh, Canada and had an illustrious history of performances and was revered by a lot of uh, theater-going Canadians and theater-interested Canadians. I think it was in 2014, it folded. It was just completely out of money, and it folded. And then uh, in Ontario last year, Theater Ontario, which was one of the biggest providers of theater jobs in Ontario, uh, also folded because Doug Ford just slashed funding out from underneath them with no warning. And there, some, something similar is happening in Alberta right now is that a lot of money, like grants money for 
artists and a lot of funding has also been slashed in Alberta just like just this week. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's what conservative governments do. And like, um, you can see, and I think this is why a lot of artists are more left wing because the conservatives, we they, need money to, we need money to do stuff. And the people that take away the money that we need to do stuff are the conservatives. Yeah, absolutely. And the conservatives, they, they brand themselves as the party that, that cuts funding to save money and finds efficiencies and things like that. But when you actually start paying attention to where they're cutting funding, that just shows you the priorities. Because I'll tell you, they're not cutting funding in the sports. They're not. They never do that. Doug Ford, in the same year that he cut uh, funding so much to Theatre Ontario that it had to close, gave something like $400 million to horse racing. Because that's a huge thing that people love to go do. So it's just, to me, it just shows you the priorities. And um, anybody who doesn't think that arts and culture isn't a priority, um, go a day without any. Go a day without watching anything on TV, reading anything ever, just like reading anything, um, appreciating any sort of architectural design. Don't look at a building. Listen don't look at music. a sign. Don't listen to any music. Don't watch any TV, any movie. Um, go, like, I don't even think you could go a day without appreciating that because... Your couch was designed by somebody who probably has some background in visual arts education. Your door was designed by an architect who had, uh, by your door, I mean your house, um, by, by an architect who had an artistic vision for it. Um, it, it goes far more, the arts and the idea behind it and the things that it teaches and proposes goes far far deeper into society than when you what you think of like a play or going to the symphony or the mm -hmm. opera or yeah, but how many door singer. and couch companies are funded by the government I, I would argue not many yes no you're right uh, and i'm but what i'm what i'm sort of talking about there is arts education um goes into that um but also uh which is also a different can of worms than yeah, artists in general absolutely arts education is is different than um, artists, because we're the people who are, you know, our livelihood is this, but if you're teaching kids from a young age that art is not essential, even though it's been proven to have the highest amount of, um, um, it requires the, both sides of your brain, like music, for example, requires both sides of your brain to work, and not, there's barely any other activity that requires your brain to work on both sides of it. So your left and right brain are working at the same time, which has also been proven. Um, my mother's a music teacher, so I have a lot of history and background. <laughs> um, and it's been explained to me many times that children who have a background of music are like their brain, um, their crossover between the two sides of their brain is increased. So the difference between someone learning piano at 26 versus someone learning piano at five years old, at 26, they haven't created the brain pathways in order for their hands to cross over. So that even, that carries you into a whole bunch of other stuff like typing and, um, and activities that I can't name at the top of my head, but not having education in the arts, whether that be visual art, music, theater, dance, or whatever, um, fundamentally creates a lack of brain capacity that sounds terrible but 
you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Sure. And arts inspires creative thinking, creative problem solving, and then exactly, perform- which creates yeah, which creates better performing humans, and it also creates innovation and technology and yeah. Um, I, yeah, I would argue that anyone creating anything, um, I would argue that even Elon Musk, who is, you know, a kook, but created Tesla, um, he probably had some creative, creative outlet and creativity from his education. From yeah, his. and then to bring it back to people who are working in the arts, um, which can tie directly into this, in that um, all it takes is one inspiration watching one inspiring performance uh to go pursue like you know what a kid goes to see uh, a production of a play or a musical or something or goes to see a wonderful symphony and he decides i want to learn how to play the piano and maybe he doesn't become a professional pianist maybe you know he does a job that's seven degrees of separation away but he's developed that skills which has developed to be able to think creatively to think um, uh, you know, with, with, with two hands, um, to put it in a piano related way, um, uh, to, to multitask in that way, you just develop your brain in a way that helps you in, it helps you to be a better human. Absolutely. And I, I also think, uh, any sort of c- cuts to, to arts education is a mistake in, in, Grade school, high school, even even post secondary, uh, I think it's an important part of of learning. Um, my my problem is with with sports and in arts. I think both of them are kind of the same boat. Once you get to a professional level, how much should the government be on the hook for it? And that's I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do agree. If you're going to cut one, cut both. Yeah. Don't just cut yeah. the arts. And give money to horse racing. That's that's not right. Yeah. And if you have money, then then yeah, give it. It is important. It's important, and it would be bad to see. Uh, like we we don't go to the theater a lot, but I enjoy it when we go. Um, so it, you know, I think uh, it, it is important culturally, and 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 for yeah, just being a uh, expanding your horizons, expanding your mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think and I think for society, I think arts are instrumental to society as well, because like if you imagine like Dylan was saying, if you imagine life without art, then you're what kind of life is that? Like you can get we can get by on a bunch of art, but art makes life worth living. It must be a Star Trek episode. Ugh. Like an artless society. Or a Black Mirror episode. I've never watched Black mm. Mirror, but it seems like maybe they do that. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I think uh, I think actually it's called the uh, um, Soviet Union. Ah, uh, yes, that would do it. They had socialist realism, what which was not What an art. interesting documentary that was. <laughs> what documentary? Oh, the Soviet Union. That was a documentary, right? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see it. I was just talking about the uh, country. Um, we learned about socialist realism in... Uh, one of the theater history classes and it just sounded dreadful. It was not very realistic. <laughs> Socialist I was making a joke that the Soviet Union wasn't a real country and that it was just a documentary that we all had like Oh. That I was making fun of. That was my joke. I don't I don't think it worked. I I, I, I appreciate the effort. I just it sounded like it could easily be the name of a documentary. <laughs> yeah, just the Soviet Union. Yeah. 
Why not? There's a documentary. Not, not like colon anything. Not like <laughs> just the Soviet Union. That's it. Could be. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, <laughs> support the arts. And for some parting thoughts to end our our fifth episode, and and uh, you know, I think I think uh, maybe this time so far one to four. Uh, listenership has decreased, yes. so we're hoping to at least maintain, or or maybe uh, with with Beverly coming in, maybe just pop it up a little bit. Beverly, tell yeah. all your friends. You have, I will uh, absolutely, or at least at least your family. At least your family. It's a big family. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of people. I, yeah. I, that would double our viewership right there. Yeah. Listenership. Uh, uh, as my last couple of parting thoughts is have been about uh, about my daughter and and this week again uh, more news she has now been accepted to uh, well ex- she applied to five uh, accepted to four and waitlisted on one so now comes decision making time which admittedly is not her forte <laughs> um, so so she has to there is a timeline on it I think she has to decide by the thirtieth I don't know why you're asking me I have no idea yeah it's the end of the month. Uh, right. It's more like, is there 30 days this month or 31? 31. 31. So by the 31st, she has to decide. Uh, so it's an exciting time. Um, they're all closer than, than where Dylan's going, so that's nice. Uh, the farthest one away being Western. and then It's uh, just West, isn't it? Ern. And then uh, Guelph, Waterloo, and Laurier. So congratulations to Madeline. And then uh, one other thing we've been... We've been uh, stuck in the house together, so so we've been watching some uh, some various streaming as best as we can stream in our house television, and and we decided we'd watched Dis- Star Trek Discovery, yes, which was good, yeah. Uh, Dylan and I have watched Picard, which I I thought was excellent, and uh, and so we thought let's give Enterprise a shot, and that. Um, is horrendous too strong a word? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it was it was not good. And and okay, the show. I mean, I loved Quantum Leap, so I was rooting for Scott Bakula. <laughs> and the third episode was much better than the first two. But I can't get through the theme song. I don't. I don't know why. Which That's is a not... Star Trek theme song. It's not. It's a bad eighties ballad. Yeah, it's not like a normal instrumental Star Trek theme song or where it has, like, the captain going, Space, the final frontier. No, it's like... It's, it's a song. It's, it's like a real... It's a it's song. It's a legit song that I wish I had a cut of right now that I could play. But if... if Just Google it, because it is unbelievably bad. Yeah. But close... <laughs> close behind... We, so we only, we only gave that... Well, the whole thing... As a family, we only watched two. Dylan and I watched the third... Maybe we'll watch the fourth. I don't know. But we gave up on that, and we went to Next Gen. First season Next Gen is not much better. No, it's not. It's, I Like, the first seven episodes, we started it, and I was like, oh, I remember this episode. It's really bad. And, and I don't know who dressed Wesley on that show, but my God. I, I don't... I, I just... I know, I know it was a long time ago, but... But come no nobody ever worshipped. It reminded me of the Seinfeld episode with the puffy shirt, only it wasn't white. It was they're like puffy sweaters that he wears all the time, and like pants with one leg a different color. 
And I don't think that's what they wear in the future. I just don't. I hope not. Yeah. So that's uh, those are my long parting thoughts, Dylan. Yeah. Uh, well, you said Madeline was accepted at Waterloo, right? And it was uh, at Waterloo Napoleon did surrender, right? <laughs> Abba, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Different Waterloo. Ah. Um, anyway, that's my... My, my. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's that joke, which... That's, like, borderline dad joke. <laughs> I should have I told so, that. You, you can't get away with those. Yeah, no. You're going to lose some street cred. <laughs> Beverly, has he gone down in your estimation just from that joke? Well, he uh, d- didn't have any street cred to begin with, so now he's a negative. Oh, fair. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, that was going to be my question after you said, I was like, Bev, did I have any street cred to begin with? And no, the no, answer... Not really. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been mostly at work, which really doesn't leave much time for anything else um, to notice anything. But um, earlier this week, uh, Elizabeth told me that uh, she was going to... Uh, or she was hoping to road trip down and visit here. Um, we're thinking around the end of the month, beginning of June, um, which came as a total shock to me. Uh, I was very surprised because we had just, earlier we talked about it and we were just thinking that she wasn't going to come down here. Um, so I've been thrilled about that, basically thinking about it nonstop, and I keep feeling like it's happening tomorrow, um, but not in a way where I'm disappointed when it doesn't. It's just like every day I feel like it's happening tomorrow and I just keep, up this excited happy streak so that's my geeky boyfriend thing to say that uh has just brightened my week honestly i was i was so happy to hear that and she might be bringing mochi her dog uh, mochi (laughs) yes and uh and that's another huge bonus because i love mochi anyway bev finish Um, us off well my parting thoughts um, I've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, love that show. Uh, season 12 is airing right now, and and this is the final episode before they were supposed to film the live finale. Ooh. And I've yet to see how they're going to do the live finale. Um, my yeah, thing is it might be, over, might be over a Zoom call. Who knows? Yeah. It's exciting to see. Oh, also... Um, RuPaul is, is, RuPaul's Drag Race is, uh, came up with a secret celebrity drag race, which is like a four-part series where celebrities become drag queens for the first time. They have, like, other queens who have been on the show, like, make them up, and then they kind of participate as if they're on RuPaul's Drag Race, and then they compete for charities. Oh, cool. Um, and so the Yellow Knife hero, Justin Milligan, was on one of those, um, episodes. <laughs> And I thought that was pretty exciting because, and um, half of the, and I posted that on my Instagram story and half of the DMs I got from people were, oh my gosh, um, apparently he's on Shit's Creek, which I didn't know. Yeah, um, he's on Shit's like Creek. I Yellowknife for, for saying that, but they were like, oh my God, this person from Shit's Creek is from Yellowknife and half of people were like, oh my God, Justin Milligan's on RuPaul's Drag Race because half of them were from Yellowknife and know this hometown hero and half of them weren't from Yellowknife and knew him from his actual like acting work. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I thought was quite funny. My mom watches uh, Amer. Sorry, Bev, to interrupt, but I was just gonna say my mom watches. No, that's okay. My mom watches American Idol, and apparently they've been phoning from home and doing their singing like over Zoom for the show. 
Yeah, and the production is left totally like up to them. Yeah, everything's uh, yeah. It's it's there's no backing band. There's no nothing. You just so that's. I mean, it may end up being something like that for um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Yeah. So American. What you're telling me is that American Idol is not a good show. It might be better now. That's true. That's this might be good. It's almost enough to make me tune in for a week. Yeah, this is this is definitely a sidebar, but was all what was always my favorite part of American Idol was when they showed you the really bad auditions. And I Simon. Loved, yeah. And Simon criticizing them. I love I loved watching people get torn apart. Does that do either of you, you would love that. Did uh did either of you remember Pants on the Ground? Pants on the Ground, yeah, yeah. That did you watch American yeah. Idol at that? Yeah. That that was No, but I do know what exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that was such Pants on the Pants on the Ground, Pants on the Ground. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was such... I remember singing that. Somebody taught that to me on probably in eighth grade on the school bus on it was, the way home from school. It was the baby shark of its day. Yeah, it really was. It truly was. Really. Um, and I just remember, like, that wasn't a bad one, honestly. I loved watching that genuinely because the guy was having such fun. And the judges were like, how old are you? And he was like, I'm 61. <laughs> And they were like, we have an, and they were like, we have an age cap of twenty seven on this show, but so oh my God. sorry, but they they were all like, we genuinely enjoyed that, so thank you for coming in. I just the other thing, just sorry, Ben, I, we've totally co opted your parting thoughts, but the other thing that I liked about the original American Idol was it was the only one that you could li- listen to, and and the judges would criticize like constructive criticism. Yeah. Now it's just. Everybody's saying how great the person was on every show. And I find that annoying, even mm-hmm. when they aren't great. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Beth. Finish Back your to your... Parting thoughts, RuPaul's Drag Race. What's going on? Oh, I've, I'm, I've, oh yes. Also, I've, um, I've almost finished rereading Harry Potter for the upteenth time. What book are you on? And I'm on Deathly Hallows right now. Oh, nice. Um, near the end. Like, I'm getting... They're in Hogwarts currently for the final battle. Oh, great scene. I know, it's great. And I'm just reminded of how many, even though I've read this series about 12 times, there's still things that I read and I go, oh, I didn't know that. And it's just amazing. Reading, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. All right, well, thanks, Harry. That's a good thing to end on because Harry Potter is a bit of warm and fuzzy to me because I read it to you. Did I read all of them to you or did you uh, read the last ones on your own? Um, I think you definitely read the vast majority. Yeah. Uh, you might have read it all. Yeah, I think I did voices. I, like I did Potter, voices. And... I feel like Harry Potter provides so much nostalgia for so many generations. Yeah, yeah. I do the voices of different people, and Dylan, well, he'd pay attention. He'd always call me out if I did one differently. That's not how Snape <laughs> sounds. <laughs> anyway, that thanks. Like Dylan. Thanks for joining us, Beverly. It was a blast. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Anything else? Well, that's that's uh, that's all I got for yeah. this week. We'll keep you on speed dial and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Enjoy Yellowknife. I I definitely miss it. It's it's a it's a good place. I it would be better if I had friends to enjoy it with, but it's great. <laughs> all right. Bye bye. Because all of my friends conveniently decided not to return to Yellowknife. Oh, that oh. sucks. No excuse. Yeah,